What is good, NBA fans? Welcome into another week of Dropping Dimes. Hoping you're enjoying all the NBA action that has been transpiring since the last time we saw one another. I am your host, Matt Nost. And uh, today is going to be um, an interesting show. I have four pages of notes uh, to go over stuff. Um, so right now, COVID is running rampant through the league, uh, as any of you are aware, uh, the bulls have so many people out that even when we get special dispensations and we sign players, those players end up getting COVID. We had two games postponed. The Lakers couldn't travel and had to cancel practice because THT, uh, was, you know, came down with a positive test of COVID and then it spread to others. I know Kendrick Nunn and somebody else, um, so they're dealing with it. Giannis is now out. The Nets are undermanned because of COVID. So a lot of teams are dealing with it. It's kind of hard to make heads or tails of what exactly, you know, a lot of these wins or losses really mean. Um, teams slide a little bit uh, because of player absence. It's, you know, you could sit here and speculate and, and forecast what it actually means, uh, but it's it's tough to get a lay of the land really to get an honest assessment of quite a few different teams and where they're at in the standings and their current trajectories. Um, some teams are still getting it out. Like the Nets got it out a win last night. It was a, it was an excellent game. Um, that being said though, I mean, Harden is out and they have numerous others and just like, okay, well, what does this exactly mean? If they were taking on um, uh, a team at the the top of either respective conference, how would last night have played out? And it's nothing against the Raptors. The Raptors are a tough team night in, night out. But uh, I think it's just indicative of the overall inability to get a real sense of the landscape right now. So taking that into context, the biggest story last night was Steph overtaking. And now he's the all-time leader in three-pointers made. Um, Did it at MSG. This has been hanging over the team for quite a while. And it... If you've watched, so I had to watch the highlights of that game, but I watched the Pacers game the previous night, and I watched the game before that as he's been creeping up to uh, this record, and it almost felt like he was overshooting on some level from three just to kind of get this out of the way because it was inevitable given the rate at which he's making three-pointers and the way that he has... They brought it up on the broadcast, and it's true. He's changed the game. The game is played differently now because of his shooting ability. It's changed the complexity and the way that players, coaches, and front offices view and and valuations of players when they go to draft or free agency whatnot. You have to take into account their ability to shoot three-pointers because it's become such an integral part of the game. So Steph overtakes that lead. And first and foremost, I think it was awesome that it happened in the garden because Knicks fans are basketball fans through and through. And to see when that shot went in, the fact that the entire arena erupted and supported and, and cheered him on, I think that is a true testament to the fan base of the NBA as a whole and uh, it's a nice feather in the cap of Knicks fans. Uh, I think it's it's great for the game when, look, it, it it's not like you're celebrating a game winner. You're not celebrating um, 
you know, your team not doing it. You're celebrating the achievement of somebody who is an all-time great. He's the best shooter that I've ever seen. Uh, and it was also really cool to see the reaction of all his teammates, the coaching staff, um, and then Reggie Miller, who was on hand to call the game, and Ray Allen, who was there just to celebrate Steph breaking his former record. Um, and Ray knew it. The writing was on the wall. The The game changed. Had three-pointers been a larger part of the game when he came into the league, there's a chance that he would have ended up with, you know, 3,300 threes or 3,500 threes. And Steph would have had to climb a larger mountain to get to the top. Although I think inevitably he would have gotten to the top. Um, so that's the other thing. So people are asking about, uh, you know, trades and trade rumors. Mild man, a comic nerd brought up the Westbrook. Did I hear that Westbrook might be traded? Listen, the only reason you're hearing a lot of it is because December 14th, it's either the 14th or today, but I believe it was the 14th, which is yesterday, is anybody that was signed in the offseason or was traded for in the offseason can't be, this is the first day they can be traded. So the actual discussions begin to ramp up today. And then guys that sign extensions aren't eligible to be traded until January. And that's after that is when you get the full court press. Of course, the Lakers nation is what can we do to improve? and make the trades. My favorite is, so there's, there was a rundown of all the teams of, they have interest in moving so-and-so and so-and-so and the Knicks uh, saying, you know what, if somebody was willing to, we're, we're, you know, we're down to hear offers on Kevin Knox. Be like, oh, oh, are you, are you your former number one who can't crack a rotation ever? Who looks like a complete and utter bust. You guys are willing to take offers on that, are you? Oh, that's that is shocking, uh, to say the least. Um, so that's why the the Lakers and Laker fans can speculate about moving Westbrook, and no no contract is untradeable. Uh, but at the same time, given how much he's being paid, it's really going to be difficult. They don't have much in the way of assets. Um, so what I wanted to spend today on, because of all the COVID flux. And last week, I talked a little bit about trades. Uh, this week, because of Steph breaking the record, so now he sits atop number one. He has 2,977 three-pointers made in 789 games, and he shot it at 43.1% overall uh, from three, which is pretty fantastic. And this was a breakable record. It was a matter of time. You know, he did it in 789 games. Ray Allen had the record, but he had to do it in uh, 1,300 games. And he shot 40% overall, which is really good, given his volume of attempts. But he got to that 2973 number on 500 more attempts overall, uh, just to show you how much more effective Steph is. But the fact of the matter is, so this record will be broken. It's a matter of time because Steph has shifted the way that the game is played guys. Now, as they're coming up through the ranks and, you know, their AAU teams into college, into the NBA now consistently shoot threes. The three is part of their arsenal, something they work on just as much as anything else, if not more so, because it is, if you want to make it to the highest tier, you need to be a good 
to great three-point shooter. If you're going to be drafted into the league, that is a skill set you must have now, and it doesn't matter your position. Centers now have been drifting out further and further, and now when you have centers that don't shoot threes, they don't really play all that much. It is much rarer for them. It, it's more common for a Jonas Valanciunas to work on adding a three-point shot to his game as opposed to a Steven Adams or a DeAndre Jordan or a Rudy Gobert. Those guys still have utility, but given the fact that they don't have a consistent three-point shot in their arsenal, it's going to be much more difficult for a young kid coming up with those skill sets to, to break into the NBA as readily as they did. Now, you're still going to draft size in the hopes that you can also work on their mechanics and their shooting stroke to get them to be able to shoot threes. Um, but it's a rare occurrence. So looking at it like that, that three-pointer made from Steph at 2977, that is now a record that is his, but it's a breakable record. So I started looking at all the records that I possibly could, that I could find any kind of reference for on uh, across numerous different sites. And I split it into three categories for all kinds of different records. There are the ones that I think are breakable and probably breakable in the very near future. Ones that are possible where if things turn right or some of these young guys come up uh, or they're, or they're current active players on trajectories that if things hold, then they've got a potential shot at doing this. And then finally unbreakable. And there's one that I think is, very well could be all time unbreakable. Like my lifetime, I don't know that I'll see this record be shattered. There's two of them held by one player that I think are the two potentially most unbreakable records. Uh, and you may be surprised. You may not know this. So we're going to go through and we're going to start with breakable records that you need to keep an eye on over the next, you know, uh, three to six years. Um, Jeremy Bauer says, Wilt's records will never be broken. I'm assuming you mean the ladies' record. No, I don't think that'll be broken at all. <laughs> Actually, Wilt has quite a few records that I don't think, there's one in particular that I don't think it's unbreakable. Um, but, so, once again, we have breakable, possible, and then unbreakable. And we're just going to go right down the list, uh, outlining some, who has the record, who's on the trajectory, what's possible, what's not. Um, so we're going to start with breakable. First up is overall points. Now, Kareem is in first place, and LeBron is in third. He trails Kareem by 2,600 points, and he trails Carl Malone in second place by 290 points. LeBron can do this. At 2,600 points, it'll probably take him three, three and a half seasons, but it is possible. It is. It, this is more than likely so long as he stays healthy and he plays remotely near a LeBron level over the next three to four seasons, the points record will be LeBron's and it will fall. And LeBron will be your new all time point scoring champion in the NBA. And I think that's the most doable of the breakable records. He's on uh, pace to do it. And, you know, he is slowing ever so slightly, but he is still playing 
at a top tier level, so much so that at his age, he's still somewhat in the conversation for MVP. Kind of tells you where he's at and where he could end up. So points, points, I think, is a breakable record that shall be possible. Um, another one that's breakable to me is uh, blocks. Now, it'll come down to the longevity of a couple players. There's three in particular, but Akeem has it in first place right now. Now, Akeem averaged three blocks per game over the course of his uh, you know, uh, a career. And no player right now is averaging that many blocks. But given the science the guys have at their disposal now, the new nutrition and eating habits, uh, training regimens, and everything that goes into it, knowing how vital rest is, they've reduced back-to-backs and three and fives and five and sevens for, for the wear and tear that the big men are going to have to do. But there are three players, hypothetically, on this trajectory right now, so long as they stay healthy, which is A.D. Gobert and potentially Miles Turner. So this is a breakable record as long as any one of those three, but A.D. and Gobert primarily, if they can stay healthy for long enough, they've got a shot at uh, taking down the all-time blocks record and supplanting Hakeem at the number one. Um. So moving on, another breakable record to me is defensive rebounds. So not rebounds as a whole, just the defensive ones. Now, KG is number one, but Dwight only needs 1,100 to catch KG in defensive rebounds. And he's played 255 fewer games than KG thus far. So given that, and I think Dwight will continue to do this, he can sign with a team and sign with a team and play a small role here and there, and then, you know, plug and play. He's got a shot at getting to the overall defensive rebounds record. Andre Drummond is on pace as well, but I don't think he'll last as long in the league as somebody like Dwight. I think Dwight has more long-term utility uh, just because he's shown that he's more flexible in his role. Uh, Now, it's also Drummond is playing backup for the first time, really, in his career. So we'll see if he can kind of step in and and really uh, embrace that role. We'll see. But there are, you know, some others. Rudy Gobert uh, could possibly do it, maybe AD. And then after that, it's, there's a number of young guys where they can stay in the league long enough. This this record is breakable. Uh, KG probably will not be sitting atop the all-time defensive rebounds record all that long. Um, after that, we've got uh, three-point attempts. I think that is breakable. It should be easily broken by Curry and Harden and Lillard and then all the other young guys that are shooting. Like Donovan Mitchell right now is on a pace to shatter, hypothetically, the three-pointers made, three-pointers attempted um, just because he came into the league shooting so frequently from there. Like Who knows where Trey Young or Devin Booker are going to be for these kind of counting stats uh, just because they it is built into their game. Uh, and anybody else that's young and just l- firing from three, Duncan Robinson could have a long career as just a marksman and end up with the all-time three-point attempts. The three-pointer is just all those records will be shattered. There's one in regards to three-pointers uh, three 
that could be safe. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. But three-pointer attempts in 10 years, the leaderboard today is going to look completely different than what it is in 10 years. It's There's going to be a whole bevy of names that aren't in the top 20 right now that are all in the top 10. That one is going to be utterly destroyed. Um, so moving on, breakable. Another breakable is uh, free throws made. So Carl Malone has uh, the lead, but Harden is on pace to surpass him. And Harden currently sits at 3,043 free throws behind Malone. But he, if he keeps his current pace, what he's done over his career, he'll break it in five seasons. Now, with the new rules change, Harden's free throws have dipped a little bit. And the days of him being the primary, like he was in Houston, and basically dictating the entirety of an offense seem to be over. But for his career, he's averaged a little over eight free throws a game. And at that pace is the five seasons. But Harden's career could easily extend for, you know, eight to possibly, who knows, 10 years. And even if that dips down to seven and six free throws a game, if he if he equals that longevity that you could potentially project him outwards to be, he'll pass Carl Malone. And I think uh, maybe uh, one or two other guys have a shot at passing Carl Malone as well. But right now, Harden is on pace to do it and to do it in five years. So I think that is a breakable record. Um, Here's a fun one. So all-time turnovers, I think, is breakable. LeBron sits as the all-time leader at 4,652 and he did it in 1,326 games. So he's averaging 3.5 per game over that. But he's a primary ball handler. That's part of the downfall of being a primary ball handler. Talk to any point guard that has existed in the league. You're going to turn the ball over more than everybody else because the ball is in your hands and you're the general on the floor. But why I think that is uh, possible is so LeBron has 4,652 in 1,326 games. Russ has 4,023 in 907 games. He has 600 and uh, what, 29 fewer turnovers, but he's done it in 350 fewer games. The LeBron is on a 3.5 per game rate. Russ is on a 4.14 per game. And I think Russ will have a long enough career. And so long as he is still maintaining some sort of role of being a primary playmaker ball handler, Russ is going to be your turnover all-time leader. And that is a very breakable record to me. Um, the next uh, couple are... Well, we'll skip to the next two. Uh, we'll skip those two and we'll go to the last uh, two of the last four of the breakables, which are minutes. Kareem is first with 57,446 and LeBron is at uh, 50,643. Now, currently LeBron averages anywhere from 23, 2400 minutes to 3,000 to 3,100 minutes over a season. So if you just say he he does 25 to 2,600 minutes a season, just average it out, he'll pass Kareem in three years. 
And that all these stats, by the way, are just for the regular season. This is not overall combined. Um, because then once you factor that in, it's like this is done. LeBron will beat this even quicker. But at 2,526, and he really shows no signs of slowing, even though I think it would be advantageous for him to dial back his minutes. He does not want to sit. Um, by his estimation, sitting actually does more detriment to him because he has a greater chance of locking up if he's on the bench for too long, uh, which very well could be the case. It's given the mileage that he's got, it would seem prudent, but he knows his body better than anybody. So if that isn't something that he's willing to do, well, then uh, you really can't force him until it's just out of his hands entirely. But I think LeBron takes the minutes. And then, uh, let's see, games, I think, is a breakable record. It's going to be tough, but I think it is breakable. Robert Parrish sits at number one at 1,611 regular season games. Now, the next closest active is LeBron at 1326, and he needs to play three more full seasons to break Parrish's record. Uh, but I think also if he's gunning for the points record, um, then he's also then gunning for the games played record, and they're going to be, they'll both fall roughly about the same time. But I don't even know how long potentially LeBron would hold that because. Much like you know, uh, a Tom Brady playing so late into his career in the NFL with science and whatnot, I think guys are going to continue to play later and later into their careers in the NBA. So the games played should fall. And then if you factor in guys with certain skill sets that will translate later in age, like a Durant or potentially a Curry, but I think Durant is the most likely, he's sitting at 910 games. And he had that, you know, because of the ruptured Achilles, he did have some time off right in his prime. So potentially that extra rest would benefit him to extend the longevity of his career. Who knows? But given his skill set, he could easily be on a roster in well into his 40s. You know, um, it, it his size, it still makes him unblockable. And you could just have him sitting out on the, the perimeter and practically be a spot up shooter. Um and still going to be effective because he's such a good three-point shooter. So I think LeBron is potentially going to break Parrish's in the next three seasons. And then after that, I think Durant's got a shot potentially at breaking LeBron's record. And then two more breakables. They'll be tough, but they are breakable. Um, well, there's three more technically, but they're all kind of intertwined, which is field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, and true shooting percentage. Now, in field goal and effective field goal, DeAndre Jordan is number one. On field goal, he's 67.4, and then effective field goal, he is 67.4. And why is that? Because he doesn't shoot threes. So it doesn't affect uh, his effective field goal percentage because it wouldn't uh, inflate or deflate that number. And then Gobert is at 65% in second place on field goal percentage, and then effective is 6496 uh, now on true shooting, Gobert's number one at 66.62 because he shoots for free throws better. And Jordan is at 64.36. Steph is currently sitting at sixth and he's the only guard in the top 10. You don't get another guard in true shooting, uh, until 13 at Reggie Miller and then 15 at Harden. Steph's at 62.56 and true shooting takes into account field goal. It's like all field goals plus free throws. So if he can bump his three-point shooting back up to his career at 43%, he continues to shoot well from the free throw line overall. He's at 90.7 for career, I believe. 
um, there is a chance he could overtake. But I think in like the field goal and effective field goal percentage, the fact that Gobert has played less games than DeAndre Jordan, he could he could bump himself up over Jordan in both of those counting stats. Um, so it is possible. It is possible. So the field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, true shooting percentage. I think that there's so many current guys, active players in the top 10 and in the top 20 that I think all of those are breakable. It's entirely possible uh, in the next couple of years. Uh, Jake Cleveland in the chat already got to it. Um, and Jeremy Bowers asked, these are all-time career records, not for a single game. And once again, not taking playoffs into account. So these are just career breakable records uh, that you can do it. Um, so the possibles. Now, we'll start with free throw percentage. As I just said, Steph is number one overall lifetime at 90.7, which there's a lot of science that goes into it, and roughly 90 to 91% is the best a human being will ever be able to shoot from the free throw line. Um, it, it's I, I could link you some. I've watched numerous breakdowns of why free throw shooting has a specific limit. Um, I found that one. can't remember who it was. Uh, it was like a sports science channel on YouTube. And they also, then after that, I watched a, what the upper limits of like a high jump is. And um, so long as you limit certain technology aspects um, or uh, uh, fastest 40 and stuff like that, there are limits to the human body. And so for free throw shooting, 90, 91, potentially 92%. So long as a guy shoots enough free throws, that is the best anyone is ever going to do from there. Now, the reason I think it's it's possible, but not, you know, in the breakable category is you have somebody like Lillard, who's played fewer games, sitting at 89.3%. Um, but he's played enough games to where if he wants to eclipse Steph, he's now going to be getting into the up, he has to shoot in the upper threshold of what a human being is possible to do to boost him up from an 89.3 to eclipse Steph at a 90.8. Uh, and then after that, you have Durant at 88.3, Kyrie at 88.1, Middleton at 87.9. Um, your best case scenario would be somebody like Booker or Trey Young who shoot 87% and 86.4% respectively. But even then, at this point, to bump your overall from 87, you've played a lot fewer games. But to get it above that 90.7, you're going to need to shoot, you know, 92% for the next, I don't know how many seasons to get that percentage up. And that's really difficult to do, uh, if not impossible. So, while this potentially could be broken, I think it's only possible and the likelihood is slim. It's not utterly unbreakable like I think a few other records are, but, you know, chances are slim. Uh, moving on to the next one, three-point percentage. Steve Kerr is number one at 45.4%, which, given his overall volume, that is really impressive. I think he shot somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,500 threes. 
to shoot 45% from three is Ill, beyond elite. You want a guy to be able to shoot 40 to 42%. Uh, and that's considered, you know, upper tier elite. Now, Steph of the active players, Steph is sitting third overall at 44%, but like this season, he's down. Um, and as his volume has gone up, his efficiency has gone down ever so slightly. He's still at 40%, but his volume is much higher. Uh, and he's sitting at 44%. Joe Harris is at 439 Uh, He could do it, but I think the best bet, to, if this is even remotely possible, is Duncan Robinson because he's only played, you know, 100 and I think it's 89 games. And he's going to have a role in this league long enough that he, his comfort level should grow and he's got a shot. Now he's currently at 40.9%. So to amp up, it, his career is young enough still to where he can inch this up closer to 45%. But it also means he's going to need a season where he shoots almost 50%. Like he's going to need to have a couple seasons of 47%, 48%. And that is going to be a tall order. Um, it's possible, but I think it's going to be really difficult to do. So that to me could be safe, but you never know. Um, Next one moving on is free throw attempts. Carl Malone sits at first at 13,188. It's a massive number. But if Harden is on a trajectory to potentially beat him in free throws made, he's also on free throw attempts. But at his career rate, he'd have to be attempting... uh, At his career rate of attempts, it would take him seven and a half more seasons. At his current rate just to get the attempts up to pass Carl Malone. And I don't know seven and a half years from today, if Harden is still going to be in the league and with the ball in his hands enough to be committing that many free throws makes. Yes, because he shoots at a high enough clip attempts. That's a tall order. Uh, I think the likeliest candidate might be, uh, beyond Harden, that is, is Durant. But even that, I think, is highly unlikely. So the free throw attempts could be safe, but it's possible for for Harden to do it. Um, moving on is the possibles. I think these could be in the breakables as well, which is field goal attempts and field goals made. So field goal attempts is Kareem. And LeBron sits 2,387 attempts behind him. Um, now if LeBron gets the overall points record, he's got a shot at attempts. The thing is now with threes in there, he doesn't have to attempt as many shots to get the points record. And that's what he's going to be focused on, obviously, because it's the, the larger counting stat that everybody will gravitate towards fixated upon. Um, but it is possible. So if the others fall and you know, he continues the way he's doing, then you might want to shift, or I might want to shift field goal attempts into the breakable. But I don't know he's going to feel as much pressure. Because if you look at Kareem's, you know, records for points and field goal attempts and field goals made, which is the the next one, Kareem sits number one there. He only attempted 18 threes his entire career. So 
all those are two-point shots. And that's why LeBron can get so close while attempting that many fewer shots is because he's taken a lot more threes than Kareem ever dreamed about even touching. But that, and then the field goal makes, um, Kareem is number one with 15,837 makes. Um, and just given the longevity of his career and the fact that we now have everybody shooting threes, the overall makes to get to that many points, I think it makes this more possible than breakable because guys are going to be shooting more threes, like I've said. So I think this one could be safe on the field goals made, but we'll see. I mean, LeBron is 2,474 makes behind him. Um, so it's maybe perhaps shift this into the breakable. Um, but anyway, we'll move on from that one. We have two more in the possibles, which is personal fouls. Um, so Kareem, all-time leader with 4,657. Malone is second with 4,578. And you would think, oh, well, then LeBron, considering he's so close to those guys and also with the minutes played and the games played and all that jazz, he should be close. Not even remotely. You know, Vince Carter and Dirk are sitting at three and four, and they played 20 years. Uh, Dirk is third all-time minutes, but he's 25th in fouls. And I think that kind of tells you where the officiating has gone over the past 20, 40, 50 years is star players don't get teed up or didn't get, get, you know, call for fouls as often. I mean, LeBron's only been tossed what one time in that uh, kerfuffle in Detroit earlier this season, or was that the second ever might've been the second ever. It's like it, your biggest stars do not get called for fouls as often as potentially they should. So I think while it's possible, this one could be unbreakable. And then the last one I think is a, a tweener between possible and unbreakable, which is triple doubles. Westbrook sits as the all-time leader at 189 and uh, the big O Oscar Robinson has 181. And the next closest active player is, or, Closest are rather LeBron at 101, Jokic and Harden at 62, and Luka at 38. If this record is going to be beaten, it's going to be by Luka of these, just because he's so much younger than all these other guys. He's already got 38. So by the time he gets to Jokic's age, he very easily could have 80 to possibly 90. And then by the time he gets to Russ's age currently, you know, he could have potentially eclipsed where Russ is at now. But that also doesn't take into account, you know, Russ's number is not static. It's going to go up. So wherever he lands ultimately end is the new benchmark that guys are going to have to get to. And that's why I think it's, it's possible. It's not quite unbreakable because we don't know, you know, Russ could get uh, hurt tomorrow and then career could be over. I'm, I hope that does not happen, but, uh, Luca then would be on a trajectory to overtake him, which then puts it in the possible. We just don't know where this one's going to land. Um, unlike the the three pointers made with Steph, I think that is a guaranteed 
breakable. The triple doubles, I mean, it took so long for somebody to to take over the big O. Uh, but guys get triple doubles now more. And it's something that players and fans and, and everybody else fixates upon. Um, because it's an easy attainable goal. Not easy, but it's something easy to fixate upon. Uh, all right. Finally, now we are going to get to the cream of the crop. The most unbreakable records. It's, some of these are just unfathomable. It's, you know, as you go through all of this, you're like, dear God, how is anybody going to sniff? remotely sniff taking down any of these. Um, so the first and foremost, I'm going to start, you know, there's four total in this. Um, the last two are held by John Stockton. We'll get to those. But the first one is just rebounds overall. Now, if you go back for the older players, they didn't start differentiating between rebounds and then subdividing into offensive and defensive until 1973-1974. So when you look at the the numbers, the counting stats for Wilt and uh, Bill Russell, they don't have any kind of demarcation in their stats because those didn't exist at the time. It was just the general rebound stat. That's all they paid attention to. Um, but Wilt's rebound record is, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around. So total rebounds that Wilt has are 23,000, 924. Bill Russell sits in second with 21,620. And I'm going to be using this next phrase quite a bit over these next few stats or uh, records. To put this in perspective, Dwight Howard is the closest active player. And he's got 14,000 400 games to Wilt's. Wilt has, once again, 23,924. Dwight has 14,405. So a difference of 9,519. 9,519. And here's the kicker. Wilt did that extra 9,000 in 162 fewer games fewer games than Dwight Tw 23,924 9,000 and change in 162 fewer games than your current active leader in Dwight so much so that when I saw that I was like I'm not even going to look at the rest like, I, it doesn't it doesn't matter guys like if Andre Drummond could have a 25-year career, he could do this. But he's going to be out of the league long before he even remotely comes close to this. Uh, he's, he's a rebounding machine. That's probably his best attribute. Um, 
but it's he's already kind of is a backup, and I'm not sure how long he's going to be as a backup because you need to get the JaVale slash Dwight shine of, oh, you can be a great piece on a championship team. You can plug and play when we need you come in, be a spark off the bench, a defensive presence, get us a bunch of boards, rim run and finish there. Uh, Dwight occasionally shoots a three. Hell, he shoots better than Ben Simmons from three. Um, But to find those moments when you can really be a spark for your team, and will Drummond be able to do that for the next like 12 years and still be on some sort of pace? No chance. And the fact that Dwight is still 9,000 and change behind him, he's not going to play near enough games to come close. Now when he's at 14,000 now, and he's no longer a starter, it's like, dear God, man, 23,924. That is, that is not going to be touched. Now, the next unbreakable, I wish we had the numbers for Wilton Bill because it would help put it in perspective, but still, which is offensive rebounds. Now, defensive, which we brought up earlier, which is KG, and that's a breakable stat to me. Offensive rebounds, the game has shifted to where offensive rebounds have kind of been deprioritized. Now, like the pop and the Spurs influenced the we're willing to sacrifice offensive rebounds to get our guys back on defense to stop easy transition buckets and stymie their offense from getting into any kind of quick points. Um, so Moses Malone sits at number one, 6,731. And what, and you know, we don't have Wilt and Russell's, but they have to be monsters because Moses's overall. Uh, rebound numbers are 16,212. So 6,731 of those are offensive rebounds. And they didn't, you know, take these uh, differentiation to account once again, until 1973, 1974, that season. Um, But given the, the de on offensive rebounding in the modern game, like Dwight is the closest at 4,072, Drummond is after that at 3,109. Gobert, Miles Turner, Clint Capella, Anthony Davis, Stephen Adams, and a host of others fall into the same problems that I think Drummond is going to have, which is I don't know that you're going to be able to play long enough to even come close to getting to the 6,731. But I wish we had... Wilt and Russell's because if Moses can have 6,700 at 16,600 overall rebounds, well, how many did Wilt have? Did Wilt have 10,000 on his 23,000 and change? That was almost 24,000 rebounds. Did Wilt have, you know, 11,000 offensive rebounds? I mean, that put even a larger difference, but you know, Dwight is, 2,700 behind Moses, and that's just offensive rebounds. I don't foresee him being able to play. Drummond is 3,600 behind. I don't foresee him. So I think this one is, is pretty unbreakable. It's I guess it's hypothetically possible, but I just think, once again, given the de-emphasis on offensive rebounds, no chance. Now, final two are mind-blowing. 
which are John Stockton. John Stockton owns the two most unbreakable records. And the final one is the one that I think is absolutely unshatterable. And, you know, my favorite is, is, you know, you look at John Stockton and, and, and he's an unassuming guy. There's a couple of great stories about John Stockton that I love at the 92 games in Barcelona. Uh, he was walking around one of the, uh, touristy areas in Barcelona. If you've ever been like they have this really old medieval section of town, with millions of small, tiny streets and uh, like avenues and piazzas to sit and, and eat and all that stuff. And uh, Stockton is walking through with a video camera and he's got his family with him, and they're just enjoying Barcelona. And he sees someone with a dream team shirt on and he's got his video camera and he's like, oh, you like uh, the dream team? And the person's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, go USA, let's go type of thing. And he's like, that's me right there. And the person looks at him, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, John. Uh, okay, that's you. That's you. Sure it is. That's how unassuming he is. Uh, uh, you know, the NBA TV used to do this round table with a bunch of former players. And they're all sitting in, in you know, big lounger chairs or on couches in a semicircle, a little, not quite an expanded horseshoe shape. And they're talking about guys that you wouldn't think they were badasses in their day. And Chris Weber has an, a great story where he was with the Kings and they flew into, um, they flew into Utah and they're taking the bus from the airport to the arena and they're on the bus and he looks out and he sees John Stockton pull up in a minivan and John Stockton lets out his wife and kids uh, from the minivan and they go inside and then he pulls in and parks and he sees John get out of his minivan, just looking like the most quintessential suburban dad in the history of stereotypes. And he's like, and then he showed up and proceeded to kick our ass that night so thoroughly that it was, I felt shame. And just to see this unassuming dude come in, there's nothing you do. It was methodical. Gary Payton said that John Stockton was one of the toughest, if not the toughest player that he had to play against. Because the, the fact of the matter is, this is when you know you're good. Everybody knows precisely what you're going to do, and they can't stop you. That's how, you know, it's just, this is my bread and butter, and you're not going to be able to touch me. You're not going to be able to slow me down. doesn't matter if you're uh, more athletically gifted or faster, whatever the case is. I'm reading the game. I'm orchestrating our offense and our defense so well that I, I can see all the patterns, and I'm just going to crush you. Um, so the two that John Stockton has are steals and assists. He's number one in his steals. He has 3,000. 265 steals for his career. The next closest active is fifth place, which is CP3. And CP3 is also the next closest active in his assist, but we'll deal with that in a second. And he's in fifth. And CP3 has 2,387. So it's 3,265 to 2,387, which sounds close, right? But to put it in perspective, 
Stockton at number one and Jason Kidd, who's retired at number two, is 2684. And the difference between the two is 581, which is the difference between Jason Kidd and the number 11. So the difference between one and two is the same difference between two and number 11. And then the difference between Stockton and CP3 is 878, uh, you know, steals. Which then, if you calibrate that for CP3, the difference between that 878, if you calculate that for CP3, it goes from five, and then the 878 takes you all the way down to number 47 for Dr. J. That's how massive the difference is. Stockton is sitting head and shoulders above that. I mean, the difference between him and two is the same difference between two and 11. And the difference between him and current active player CP3 is the same difference as current active player CP3 and the 47th overall. That is massive. CP3 is not touching that. And no current active player is coming close to that. They need to play for so long. Uh, that there's just nobody in the mix, but the more impressive, the most impressive of all the unbreakable records is John Stockton's assists. He has 15,806 assists, 15,806. So we'll do the next closest active again, which is CP3. 10,538. This is a guy whose nickname is the point God. And I think rightly so on a lot of different levels, especially if they can uh, push to the finals and hypothetically win one this year. And I'm glad they made it to the finals because I was fearful that if he continued to flame out in the, the playoffs every year, that people are going to look at that nickname is utterly ridiculous but when you watch cp3 he is the floor general's floor general but stockton has a lead of 5268 assists that is over 50 percent of the total that cp3 has done for his career so CP3 is third all time. We're going to do this, put it in perspective thing again. So the difference between one and three is 5,268, 5, rather. So if you apply that 5,628 to CP3, there, the difference between it, you have to go all the way down from three to 5,628 uh, assist difference is number 58. 58. So second place all time is Jason Kidd at 12,091. So the difference of 3,715. And there, your difference is that alone would take you down to 12th, which is Russell Westbrook. Uh, it is it is mind-boggling how massive a lead he has in this. I mean, these two plus the overall rebounds for Wilt are just crazy. Um, so there you go. There's your 
breakable, possible, and unbreakables. And there are others. You could also, I, I could have split the atom even further and gone into uh, PER, which Jordan sits atop PER, and that one's going to be tough, but I think it's a possible. There's uh, points per game, minutes per game, although uh, games, you know, there was a season that Wilt averaged more minutes than are played in a current NBA game. So th that one's kind of tough because the game has changed so dramatically in that regard, but you can do it by a per game basis. Now we're just opening up another can of, of worms, but considering that Steph broke the all time career record last night, I focused on career stats, but there are just a few when you get into it, that the overall record is just, it's tough to wrap your head around. Um, yeah, Professor Rhino with Wilt's off-the-court record won't be broken. No, not if not if it's even remotely to be believed. Although uh, I heard someone break down the amount of time, how often he would need to to be uh, uh, attempting to add to that record, and it doesn't seem humanly possible. So there there might be quite a bit of inflation there, pun fully intended. Um, but overall, and once again, with all the COVID stuff, it's, it's tough to, to look at any teams currently and be like, oh, well, they're on the upward trajectory just because there are very few of the contenders that are sitting at full health right now, um, with injuries, like uh, with Miami dealing with some injuries and guys in and out of the lineup. And then, you know, currently it looks like the Warriors and, and Suns are the only really healthy teams. Uh, so you could look at them, but I've talked about them quite a bit lately. And rightly so. They're the two best teams in basketball this season. But then after that, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee and the Bulls and Miami. Um, I should focus on the Jazz. So maybe we'll get to the Jazz next week because they're playing some really excellent basketball right now. Uh, and I'd also like to bounce around to discuss a few other teams that I haven't as of late. But I, you know, why not have a little fun? Look at some all-time records. See see what is possible and what is not. Uh, Tim R. Williams, that's what it, Open Court was the name of the show, uh, where the they'd have the the old, you know, retired players sitting around giving their the thoughts about X, Y, or Z. You can find them all on YouTube. Um, there's tons of great clips. And you can watch the full shows, or you can just find them discussing certain aspects of the game. And quite a bit of it I find illuminating and interesting. Some of it is just, uh, I'm an old man and we didn't do things like that in my day. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Things change and you have different perspective on things. Uh, but a lot of it is really interesting when they get into the, God, you know who was underrated was this guy or this one was the toughest for me to guard or I always uh, looked forward to playing here or hated playing here and stuff like that. Um, so, and Rashawn, I talked about the Cavs uh, last week or the week before, but I think I talked about the Cavs last week. And you're asking about them. Uh, I implored everybody to go out and uh, watch a Cavs game because they're, they beat up on my Bulls that night. We're also down uh, five players going into that game because of COVID and one injury. Well, technically two, if you want to count uh, Williams, but still they're a really fun and tough team. And I'm happy to see them succeeding. Uh, they look like they're having a, a lot of fun. I mean, Kevin Love looks 
the most engaged that we've seen in a long time. Um, but anyway, we'll get back into the regular discussion. Uh, hopefully a lot of this COVID nonsense uh, subsides and uh, we can start appreciating teams at mostly full health. We're only dealing with injuries, not injuries plus COVID protocols, taking guys out of lineups. Um, but that is it. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's show. little all-time record discussion. Uh, you can follow me at Matt Nost anywhere. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, leave a comment, uh, a like if you're watching on YouTube, a rating review on any podcast that uh, you may uh, uh, subscribe to. I'd really appreciate it. And that is going to be it. My thanks to everybody that joined me in the chat today. I'm sorry I didn't get to you too much, but once again, I had four pages of notes. We got Ramon Cook. Ruben, 25E, mild-mannered comic nerd, Timothy R. Williams, Jeremy Bowers, Sean Gardner, Daniel Savoy, Chris Miner, uh, Jake Cleveland, TJ Martino, Professor Rhino, Rashawn Robinson. That is everybody. Uh, I believe I also Timothy R. Williams. I think I said Tim Tim's name already. But anyway, if I hadn't, there you go, Tim. Uh, that is it. I'll see you guys next week with another edition of Dropping Dimes. Until then, stay safe out there. I'll talk to you guys in the new fu near future. Adios. Mm -hmm.